I met Norm Bass about five years ago at the YMCA pool in Westchester, California. I was drawn to the then 75-year-old not only because he was a nice man, but because he was hilarious. I would hear him talk about sports or anything else for that matter with a style that he describes as woofing, and it cracked me up. Then, one day, on the bulletin board at the YMCA, I saw a get-to-know-our-members printout about Norm. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan, one that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, sports historians. Welcome to audio video podcast episode number 35 of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. We sincerely hope everybody's okay during this incredibly difficult time in our country. We also hope some entertainment and inspiration can come from the guests we bring to these podcasts. I'm quite confident you'll find that is the case with the subject of our four-part series, Norm Bass, a person I'd like to think of as a hidden gem in sports history. What was on that Get to Know Our Members flyer about Norm on the Westchester YMCA bulletin board? Well, it said that he was the first post-World War II black American to play professional baseball and football, and that he won a bronze medal at the Sydney Olympic Games at the age of 60 in table tennis. Wait, wait, what? Crazy town, right? Okay, before we go too far, we need to say hello to the producer, of the top video podcast in the Sentinel Adobe Corridor, the director of the SSDL5 slate of shows on YouTube, and the winner of the 1997 New Mexico State Sports Information Department Eddie Growth Award. My quarantine partner for life, Christine Jimbo. Hello. He always tries to make me laugh That's every time one. he introduces me. That's a solid that was, award. That was a good one. Uh, I'm here to remind all of our listeners to go to the website to find links to all of our social media and to our East Bay online store that will debut very, very soon mm-hmm. within the next week. And to get there, you go to sportsstoriespodcast.com. Mm-hmm. You can always do a search for Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. That's Denny like the restaurant, Lennon like the Beatle, mm-hmm. to get to us. But sportsstoriespodcast.com is where you will find everything you need. That's right. You can follow me on Twitter at Sports Stories DL, like my initials, at Sports Stories DL. My Twitter followers have grown 73% over the past 10 days. No joke. Don't miss out. Blowing up at Sports Stories DL. Okay, back to Norm Bass. Norm is my kind of guy. Always fun to chat with and popular with everyone at the Y. From the staff up front to the lifeguards and the fellow members, men and women especially the ladies. He goes about 6'3", now slightly stooped at 80 years old. He's handsome and charismatic, and he's been dealing with advanced rheumatoid arthritis for his whole life. So what I admire so much is his determination to get a workout in every day, every day but Sunday, at that YMCA pool. He lost much of his hearing as a 10-year-old, but he makes sure there's never any dead air when he talks to you. I've never wanted to interview a person as much as I wanted to interview Norm Bass. In this first episode, we learn about his family moving around 1950 from the south to Vallejo, California, a city then of about 30,000 that was 30 or so miles north of Oakland. 
Norm was a star athlete at Vallejo High School, along with his brother, Dick Bass, who was two years a senior. Dick Bass, you may remember, as an all-pro running back for the Los Angeles Rams in the 1960s. Norm was a gifted athlete that led his Northern California team to a victory in the prestigious high school football shrine game. He could throw a baseball in the 90s and hit the ball further than anybody had ever seen. He ended up with the Kansas City A's and the bigger-than-life world of A's owner Charles Finley. And, well, as you will come to find out, Norm is a storyteller of the highest order and will do a far better job of it than me. Before we start the interview, I want to recognize Norm's son, Norman Delaney Bass III, author of the book Color Him Father, An American Journey of Hope and Redemption, for background information and the images you see on the video podcast in the introduction of these four episodes. I highly recommend the book. Thanks are also in order for the owners and the staff at the coffee company in Westchester, California, for allowing us to interview Norm at his favorite restaurant. So now it's time for what we trust will be a very special four-part series and that we hope you enjoy as much as we enjoyed putting it together. From the coffee company in Westchester, California, where Norm's USA Table Tennis Hall of Fame plaque sits proudly above his favorite table, here is part one of our interview with the one and only Norm Bass. Please note this interview was recorded on February 27th, 2020. Uh, I'm glad we're doing this as a coffee company because you, you come by here most days, huh? Six days a week. It's, it's, it's on your way back from the Y towards your house? At the Y, Westchester Y, on the way down, I go home this way. So mm-hmm. I stopped in here in 2000, and I've been uh, having breakfast ever since. I think the Y, now I know the Y is where we met, but um, I think we just, you know, just kind of had polite conversation, and then, then the Y had a, had, a, had a note up on the wall that said that you played you know pro football and baseball and and so forth and i asked you and you said you look me up yeah but you know you <laughs> we never did talk about none of this no, we didn't. i didn't i didn't talk about it. i thought no. you already knew a little bit about that. i didn't okay and, and you, you were surprised to hear it i, I right? sure was and and enthused because um you know i grew up such a sports fan and uh and grew up in this city and so you know when once you came down and 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 then dick bass i knew who he was because you know, we were big Rams fans growing up, so all of that was exciting for me. Um, so, Norm, I wanted to, you know, kind of start from the beginning, I suppose. Um, I know you're born in uh, Georgetown, Mississippi, right? No. No? Laurel, Damn. Mississippi. Laurel. My brother was born in Georgetown. Okay. Okay. Left there when I was two, mm-hmm. two or three. My dad brought us out here when we were about that age. We went to California. Northern California. Yeah. So your, your your father grew up in, in effect, Jim Crow South, Mississippi, same, 1914. Same thing born. that they had. Yeah. Yeah. It was all segregated, all that. Yeah. So, so and, and you came and you ended up in Northern California. And I think the um, the shipping and maritime industry was, was booming about they, that time. They had jobs that was mm-hmm. open there in Vallejo. And my dad was trying to find a job out of Mississippi. So he went to Vegas at first. Mm. 
Then he finally migrated to Vallejo, California, and he got a job there, and that's how we got out of here. Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, growing up in, in that part of the uh, country and and just your your You're talking about Northern child. California? Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't know anything about uh, discrimination or racism or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Everything I learned, it was real. Mm-hmm. And my dad never did talk about none of that stuff, and so we – Grew up with sports, and that's all I ever wanted to do was just play sports. I wasn't interested in raids or mm-hmm. protests or none of that stuff. I just wanted to play ball, man. Well, you were um, now 10 years old, and you had, um, a, a, you know, you almost died, Norm. Yeah, I know. Tell me about the meningitis, right? Uh, one morning, man, I woke up, and, and uh, my eyes were closed. And I could take my finger and pull the lids up, and I could see. But I was—I couldn't hardly get it up. So I told my dad when he was going to work that I was blind. I couldn't see. So my dad always knew I played little games and everything. So he said, won't you stop playing? I said, Dad, I can't see. So he didn't go to work. He put me in the car, took me to the hospital. And it was a small hospital. They did not quite know what was wrong with me. But this one doctor, Dr. Palm, a lady, she said, we got to take you to a bigger hospital. I think, mm. I hope this is not what I, what I think it is. Wow. So they took me down there, and they said I had meningitis. And I didn't know what that was. And uh, Fort Ord and all the Navy bases and Army bases had that. And 98% uh, of the people died with this stuff. Yeah. But at 10 years old, you know, you don't know nothing about death and stuff like that. So when I'm talking to my dad, he took me down there, and they put me in the hospital. And while I'm talking to him, all of a sudden, I don't hear nothing. Mm. All my hearing left, 100%. I can't hear nothing. Mm. He's at the window. I thought he was playing games, too. He's talking with his mouth like that, and I couldn't hear. A couple of days passed, and I was paralyzed. Then a couple more days come along, and I couldn't talk. And, wow. and I'm laying up in the hospital like that for about three months. And they came in the room, and but. Watch your priest and all this coming in. They're reading the 23rd Psalms in my room. Wow. And they told my dad I was going to die. I wasn't going to make it. And I still don't know what's going on or nothing. So I'm laying up in the bed, and they kept working with me, kept working with me. Finally, it, it, it left me with loss of hearing in one ear and a little bit in the other ear. And I had to learn how to walk all over again. Unbel- unbelievable. And, and I eyesight came back. But the hearing did not, and so. But I was so wrapped up in baseball and football and sports that that didn't even make a dent in my life to make me not want to play. Norm, I'm gonna, um, yeah, I'm gonna give uh, credit to your son. Yeah, Norman Bass III for right. writing this great book, and I want to read from it for a second. It said, uh, and when I refer to Junior, um, that's you, right? No sooner that's was it. Junior admitted. His health started deteriorating at a rapid pace. His prognosis grew grimmer, and it was becoming increasingly clear he was not going to survive. As he inched closer and closer to death, a clergyman was summoned to his bedside. That's that's, that's so true. scary as a parent, too. Just, you know, being a parent, I couldn't imagine, you know, your, your, your folks must have really been beside themselves. Well, the rest of my family was quarantined. Wow. They wouldn't oh. let them, they wouldn't, they didn't know how I got this or was it infective or... Could other people get it? They didn't know. Wow. They still don't know. I was the only one in this town that got this. Wild. Yeah. That's why they came down here to check me out from all the Army bases. 
And uh, they were trying to find out how to get that. My dad wasn't in the service or nothing like that. Literally one in a million here, Norm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Norm, now you're growing up um, in this area and, and you're playing sports. And, and from what I understand, your father, um, I think he said something to the effect of you don't play nothing. Like, uh, like it's, 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 about, it's about playing. I mean, it's about going for it and, and really playing to the highest level you can. Well, my dad always told me you got to be the best you can. Mm-hmm. And you have to be twice as good as the other guy. Mm. Because uh, that's when I first started understanding something about discrimination. Mm-hmm. He said, they're not going to let you play if you're just average. You have to be better than the other guy by a long ways, where it's obvious. Mm-hmm. So me and my brother, we trained hard, real hard. We worked out. We ran three or four miles every morning going to high school. We get up and run around this mountain. We run, run. The rest of the guys be asleep. <laughs> But when the game start, we could outlast them. We we had more stamina. We was we were just better than they was. They wasn't in no shape. We was. So that was my whole thing right there was to be ready to play. Now you went to what was the middle school called that you went to? Was it was it like Vallejo's Middle School or something? It or? was Highland School. It was a school that was not in my neighborhood. I was taken out of my neighborhood because I couldn't hear. At this particular school, they had a special class for lip reading. I see. Okay. And I had to go all the way across town, out of my neighborhood, and I went over there for four years. And they had a, uh, one class that I had to take so I could, in case I lose all my hearing, I could read lips. I see. So they sent me there. You, you now, and, and you've retained that skill throughout your life? Yeah, I can still read them, but I don't tell people that when I do, they talk like this. And, you know, that's that's what they do, and they get silly. A lot of times I'll be speaking at a banquet, and I tell them, and I said, now be careful what you're saying. I can read lips up here. And they be talking about me, cussing me out out there. And, <laughs> and, and sometimes I repeat what they say, and they get embarrassed. Because uh, I can read lips, you know. I, I was going to say, yeah, you, you, I was going to say, I, I noticed that you didn't listen to me, nor did you listen to the reading of my lips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could do it. But you were processing. I saw you. So now, um, tell me about the being uh, at Vallejo High School and being an Apache. Did you, you enjoy your high school years there? I ain't been. I, that was the most fun in the world. Mm-hmm. I would have played even in the pros free. <laughs> you didn't have to pay me. I would have just give me the lunch money and tell me where they playing. I, that's how much I love sports. And any kind of sport it was, I could play anything. I wasn't a football player on a basketball court, and you look and say, that guy is not a basketball player, mm-hmm. but I looked like the rest of them. I could play the game, whatever they was doing. Your, your father taught you a lot of sports. He, he had a background. He was a boxer, right? He's a prize he fighter? He was a black middle of middleweight champion of Mississippi. Unbelievable. And so, and, but he, he was familiar with all sports, and he brought you boys up playing yeah, a lot of sports. he played semi-baseball, pro baseball mm. in Vallejo, and we used to shag balls for my dad and all okay. that. Now, um, I want to, uh, the listeners, I want them to understand who Dick Bass was. So, he's two years older than you. About two, yeah. Yep, and um, he's built a little different. You're, you're a little taller and. He's and about 5'9", and he, in high school he was 165. He was, um, he set the state high school record, 37 touchdowns in 1954 as a high schooler. Mm-hmm. And then um, All-American at College of the Pacific, now, P, yeah. um, now, now Pacific. And then. Um, Second pick in the draft of the Rams, three-time pro, pro bowler. So he had well, a, he had actually, a sp- he was number one, but the number one that they had went to the other league. Oh, I see. Who was the but number one? But in do you the NFL, who the number- he was the number one draft with the Rams. Do you remember who the number one was? That went yeah, to- Billy Cannon. 
Oh, Billy Kim? Billy like Kim. Louisiana or something? He or went to LSU. LSU. And uh, he gained about 600 yards. Dick gained about 2,000 or whatever. And he <laughs> won the Heisman. Dick didn't win that. Dick oh, should have won mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. they, a black dude had never won that title before at that time. The first guy to ever win it was 1960. Okay. He was a guy named, uh, what was his name, Ernie? Uh, he, he, he oh, went, Ernie he, Davis. Yeah, he, right? went, he died. Syracuse? He died in camp. Syracuse. Yeah, he, he was sick. He had le- leukemia or something. He died. Yeah. He went to the same school Jim Brown. And then Jim him. Brown followed him. Okay. So um, so we're talking uh, 50s. You guys um, are at uh, Vallejo High School, and you, you play. So you're, you're playing all three sports. Four. Four. That's what is track? The oh, track, baseball, yep. basketball, and football. Football season? Football season, everything that was seasonal, I would play. Mm-hmm. And one interesting thing I found when you were in your senior year, right, you uh, were picked to play in the Shrine game. That's it. Right? So so tell me a little bit about getting picked for that. That was when it was north versus south? It was north against the south. South had beat the north to death for about six, seven years in a row. North had never won. My coach had to sell me to the other coaches because Vallejo didn't have nobody to go down there. So he told them that I was the best defensive player in Northern California. That's what he told them. So it was Northern California versus Southern California, and the Shriners were like um, That's who would, 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 would put on the tournament. And, yeah. and, I mean, would put on the big game. Now, Norm, did they have like a week of practice or something like we that? We practiced about two weeks. We, mm. you know, we, we practiced We practiced at old Pepperdine over there in Vermont. Mm. It was Pepperdine College. That's where we practiced right there. Is that right? Yeah. And you, um, you seemed to win every position. Like you were the best kicker. Well, what had, the- happened, what had happened there, we had a quarterback that they had picked, and he was mm-hmm. a little bitty guy, pretty frail. Mm-hmm. And he would get knocked down easy in the scrimmages, and he couldn't throw the ball. Like the write-up said, he was All-American, but he didn't, didn't do it. So I could play fullback, halfback, any position. So we only had one fullback. When he got tired, I'd fill in for him. And they would take the ball and pitch it back to me, and I'd run and I'd throw a pass. And I kept completing this thing, 30 yards, 40 <laughs> yards. And the coach said, Norm, you ever been a quarterback behind the team? I said, yeah, in the 10th grade. He said, get back there. And I got back there and got a couple of snaps. So when the game started, I'm the starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and you won the kicking position as well, right? Well, uh, that was automatic. And it couldn't, they couldn't <laughs> – I was kicking good then. That's what and I was doing it. And then on defense, they played you on defense? I was a safety man on defense. <laughs> I was a safety on defense. I, I, I played fullback. I played uh, quarterback. I intercepted a pass in that game. I kicked three extra points, kicked off, did all that. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a commercial. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon aims to bring its subscribers interesting, unique, and uplifting stories. You can find us at sportsstoriespodcast.com. We drop audio, video podcasts every Thursday and go live at 5 on YouTube four nights a week. That's Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. And now back to our interview. Okay, go over that again. I want to hear your stats again. Okay. I kicked off three times. We scored three times, 21 points. Okay. Okay. I intercepted a pass in that game. Okay. I played fullback in that game. I threw a touchdown pass, 70, 70-something 70, 70 yards. Yep. And when it got down to the trophy, my name wasn't mentioned. <laughs> 
Now, here's where discrimination I really, mean, really. I don't really, mean to laugh, but it's so terrible. <laughs> well, here's where it really kicked in, where I really understood what that was all about. Okay. And, man, I had headlines in the paper the next day right on the top. Norm saved the South. He saved the Bass's name. He did this. And at the bottom it said, uh, and so-and-so was picked for the MVP. I said, are you kidding me? Do you know who the MVP was? Yeah. It was a guy named Ted Kano. That's right, he was. I'll mm-hmm. never forget all this. San Francisco Poly, something like that. Yep. Oh, Ted man. Kano. <laughs> and I remember the guy I threw the pass to. It was uh, the guy that went to El Cerrito. Willie Woods. Oh, Willie Woods. He played UCLA. Well, it's a different guy. Oh, it's a okay. different guy. But, now, you know, I almost went to UCLA. You uh, you played this game at the Coliseum, though, right? At the Coliseum. Where your brother eventually would become a, a star. Dick, um, Dick you almost played to, the year before I did. Okay. Now, you went to um, you almost went to UCLA? Yeah. Hmm. But they wanted me to play football, and at this point in my life, I thought I was a better basketball player. And COP offered me a basketball scholarship. There's so, so I went I went to COP oh. on a basketball scholarship. Here's something, Norm, that was said about you while you were still in high school. It what said, Norm Bass, and I think this comes from a, a, like a writer or something. His name is Dan Gleason, Don Gleason. Norm is a superior athlete in his own right. He's a graceful six foot one, 180-pounder. The Leeson young man possesses multiple skills to make good in just about any athletic endeavor. Some envision him as a major league pitcher. Scouts literally drool when they see the big fella effortlessly steam his swift delivery. Scouts demand size, a good fastball, and poise in their mound prospects. Norm fulfills those requirements. There's no reason in the world Norm shouldn't be a top-flight hurler in the majors. So that's that's them talking about you when you throw in 95 miles an hour as a high schooler. How come um, basketball was more prominent in your mind than baseball at this time? Well, you know, everybody practice basketball in the backyard mm-hmm. is easy. You don't need a whole bunch of guys to play mm-hmm. basketball. Uh, baseball, you need five or six guys at least. So when I went out there to play uh, basketball, it was fun. Mm-hmm. And plus, I could shoot real well. I could shoot real good. Okay. And uh, I remember we played the exhibition game against the Trotters. Against the Globe Trotters? Yeah. How old were you? Oh, I was, uh, I was playing about 22. Is that right? And at halftime, I had 37 points. Come on. No. <laughs> 37. They, yeah, and they came in the dressing room, Goose and all them, said, hey, Red, that's what they call me, Red, you're going to have to lighten up. We're supposed to win this. Yeah. <laughs> they, they wanted you to act like you were on the Washington Generals. They wanted Generals. me to play with them. They tried to sign me. Really? But the owner of the baseball team wouldn't let me do it. That's that's at that well, that's that's crazy. Charlie O, Charlie o said, no, get off the basketball court. Oh, Wow. Let me um, let me ask you something, Norm. Uh, I want to get back to that because the um, the Trotters, Globe Trotters, are one of my seminal moments as a kid that made me love basketball. But I kind of want to follow you now. So you wanted to play hoops, and so College of the Pacific offered you a basketball scholarship. Basketball scholarship. And so when you went there, did you also play football? Oh yeah, because <laughs> it was because it, 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 it was the fall. Seasonal. Because it was the fall. I ended up playing <laughs> football anyway, even though I was on a bas- basketball okay. scholarship. And, and, and did you play quarterback uh, in football as freshmen? You probably played JV, right? You had, no, we had to play freshman, freshman football. We go undefeated. I'm the quarterback. Okay. We go undefeated. Yep. And so when, we get to, when I get to a sophomore here, where the stuff start? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm undefeated. The man called me in the office and said, Norm, 
we want to talk to you. I said, well, go ahead and tell me you're going to move me somewhere else. You don't <laughs> want me to be a quarterback. He said, no, Norm, it's not that. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Black dude couldn't be a quarterback in them days. Couldn't yeah. be a center. Couldn't be a linebacker. Couldn't be like a those linebacker. positions called for a lot of thinking. Yeah. And black people can't think, so they said, we don't want to put him there. Apparently thinking didn't involve a 9-0 record. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't mean, that yeah, mean nothing. Just, yeah, that just came from nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I experienced that in, in sure. my, my career and everything. But, you know, when I was coming along, we didn't have – we never saw Major League Baseball hmm. except on television. Pacific was, League was like a well, triple Well, the Jazz kind of was not out here then. Right. The Dodgers was not here. It was no Major League team. Mm-hmm. It was a triple-A baseball AAA. team was out here. Well, that's all we saw. So I didn't get the chance to see Willie Mays or – Mickey Mantle and all them guys. I just read about them. Did you have the uh, minor league, like was it the Seals that were up your way in Vallejo area? Or what, what minor league team was it? It was none in Vallejo, but they, they had a team in uh, Sacramento. Okay. And they had one in Stockton. Mm. Uh, but, but it was no AAA. You know, AAA is where Joe DiMaggio and all them guys played in that league. So it wasn't long after you played, you know, football at UOP or what's, what was then COP that – you headed for Kansas City. Well, what had happened was that uh, I got silly and I had this girl pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're young. Yeah. You're a young man. I'm, I'm 17, 18 years old, sure. 17. Mm-hmm. And uh, they made me get married. Mm. Your parents? When I say made me, they gave me a choice. In those days, you had a choice to go to jail mm. or marry the girl. Wow. So I went to uh, Reno, Nevada and got married. Okay. But I, and I, I was feeling terrible. I wanted to cut my wrist and all that. Mm. Guys, my brother and all them guys were teasing me. I had to get out of there. Mm. So I signed a major league, uh, minor league contract. You got a big 4K for it. No, in them days, like <laughs> I say, black dude didn't get no money, man. But I got 4000 That was a yeah, lot of money. that's not bad. I got something. That's good. And most black dudes get shoes, inner soles for <laughs> shoes. <laughs> So you got that, and you moved to Kansas City. What was the um, – was that the first time, like, you'd been in an extended period away from home? And, well, and, that's and the so first forth- time I've ever been out of the state out of, of the California state. since we've been here. Sure. And I was the first one in our whole town, that little town that went on to play professional baseball. And uh, I didn't know too much about that. And they sent me to Florida. That was your first assignment for rookie yeah, ball? I went to, no, I went down there. I was signed to a double-A contract when I was 19. Mm. But the double-A team was in Little Rock, Arkansas. They weren't going to have you there. Can't, can't play there. No. So they sent me to Pocatello, Idaho, where I could play. And that's where I played my first year. Were there any white people in Idaho? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm, looking, I'm looking for somebody <laughs> that looked like me. But it wasn't, it wasn't so. Wow. And I'd never seen snow before was either, too. Was that a culture shock? I mean, I'm sure it was, but, you know, I mean, I'm sure you had to make a lot of adjustments as a young man. Well, uh, I couldn't go in a lot of restaurants up in Idaho, man. Yeah. They still had all that stuff going on up there. Wow. The, the, the waitress didn't know how to say that she couldn't serve me. Mm. I said, what's the problem? I made her say it. She said, well, the owner said we can't give you food. I said, you kidding me. Let me tell you a story one time there. Mm-hmm. We were in Idaho, right? And the, and the girls and boys, they work in the stands. They clean the seats. Mm-hmm. So me and this girl, we used to talk all the time at the ballpark, and we became friends. So she invited me to come to her house, meet her parents, and have dinner with her parents, right? And I'm in class 
C-ball. This is C. Mm-hmm. But I'm better than the C-ball, but that's what the only place they could put me. So I'm sitting up there eating pheasant and stuff I ain't never seen. I'm eating it. And the <laughs> rest of the people were eating, but they was eating fast, real fast. And they got all finished before I was halfway through. And I was wondering, what's going on in here? So they go in the living room, and I'm sitting there. When I got through, they say, come on, Norm, come on in here. So I go in the room. They say, okay, what you do? You sing, you dance, what you going to do? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, that is awful. I don't <laughs> mean to, I, I laugh out of just out of That's what they said to disdain. me. Boy, I was so mad I couldn't even see. Oh, That's what they asked me. Goodness. Oh, I mean, they, they, they had never seen or you know, been around black folks. And I'm when sure. they and they had read and heard, and that's what they asked me. Man. I said, you've got to be kidding me. This is before the Look Who's Coming to Dinner movie came out. All that. Yeah, before and that. You had to break 50. the ground this before. This is in the 50s. Yeah, you had to break that ground. Boy, that must have been uncomfortable for you. It was real bad. Well, in college, uh, the white kids that came to COP came from little towns like Placerville, California. Mm-hmm. No blacks lived there. And mm-hmm. the first time they ever saw a black person was at college. Well, that's what, that's, you know, that's what college served that purpose for a and lot of people. When I, when I go out with them and talk to them, they would rub my hand and see would that come, would that come off. They oh would goodness. grab that, and I'd take my shoe off, let them get my toes. <laughs> <laughs> I got silly with it. No wonder you got I kicked said, out of restaurants. I said, any, any different? They said, no. I went through all that. But, it's, you know, I didn't get mad to the point where I'd, I'd go to jail over that. I just figured that these people just don't know. These were the days, Normo, and you would be like you go rookie ball and then you go D, C, B, A, double A, triple A. You did had you, to did you have to stop least, everywhere? You had to spin at least by the standards of baseball was three to four years in the minor league before mm. you can come to the big league. Yeah, like even Maury Wills didn't get on the Dodgers roster until he was like twenty-seven. Ten years. Yeah, it was it was it was but, ridiculous. But but the, the, the Willie Mays even went to the minor league. Right. But Ernie Banks never did go to the minor league. So so every franchise might have had discretion over it, but that's generally well. He the played role. in the black league. That was that was oh, enough I see. He experience the he had, okay. and he was awful good. But I was ready before they called me up. When you were in the minor leagues, Norm, does, is that when any of your arm trouble started? It started in 1959. Mm-hmm. So I uh, went home for three quarters of the year and didn't pitch that year. I pitched in 58. Mm-hmm. Pitched in the winter league, 58. Great season. No trouble. 59 when the arm trouble started. Mm. In 1959, I had to go to the different doctors. They sent me to the Mayo Clinic. They sent me to John Hopkins. They sent me all over the United States. And at this time, you are pretty much just throwing fastball? Yeah, no, fastball. So n- nothing else until you and got to the base. there was no such thing as Tommy John or none of that. Sure, of when your so. arm go bad, they say, well, that's it, son. Take a couple of aspirins to go home. What, um, and then, and then so you would you'd play in these minor leagues, and then you'd come home for – Extended period, like in the summer or like late summer, fall or something like that? Would you come back uh, home? The season was over early in September. Mm-hmm. And then you would go home and have to get a job. Sure. Because six months of playing baseball didn't pay enough to cover the year. Had your family moved down to Los Angeles at this point because Dick was on the um, uh, oh, yeah. Rams? Is well, that why? We, well, yeah. we moved to California in the 40s. Well, sure. No, I meant did they move from uh, Northern California to Southern California at this point? No. Not yet. Never did. Oh, never did. Okay. No, my mother and father stayed in Vallejo. When did you start staying in Los Angeles area? 1960. Oh, about 60. Okay. Me and Dick, was he was with the Rams first year, and me and him lived together. 
And so, we, we were close, so we lived together all them years. So it's 1961, and this is the year you get called up to the A's. Is this correct? What, yeah, what had happened was that they uh, called me and told me they was going to invite me to come to camp. Invite. <laughs> that means that you could go down there and they want to see was you good enough to play. Sure. Okay, so I'm one of them kind of dudes. I don't do nothing halfway. So I started pitching in these little semi-pro leagues and getting my stuff real sharp. In the old days, the players didn't stay in shape all year. Mm -hmm. They'd come to spring training to, to get, get in shape. Thing. Like that's what Shaq did. In the all of them did that. <laughs> but yeah. when I went to, when I come to Kansas City, I was ready to pitch. You're ready to go. And when I was throwing batting practice, they couldn't hit the ball. And I wasn't even throwing hard yet. And they was telling me, rookie, slow down. I said, well, I'm not throwing hard yet. They couldn't hit the thing. And I was so disappointed when I got to the big leagues because I thought those guys was better than what they was. Sure. Because I had this image of Mickey Mantle was bigger than life and mm -hmm. all these guys. And I come to find out I could outrun them. Right. <laughs> I could throw harder than the rest of them. I was in better shape, all that. But and I didn't know that. I had nothing to compare it with. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is supported by the AAU. Find a local event and join at aausports.org. And remember, you can catch your favorite amateur sports live stream, replays, and highlights at ballertv.com. Sports Stories, along with East Bay, supports the Heroes Movement, a nonprofit that bridges the gap from mental or physical therapy to getting strong again through strength and conditioning workouts. This free service is available for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces. Visit heroesmovementusa.org for more information. Sports Stories, along with thousands of people across the country, also supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation, a nonprofit that provides traumatized children with new belongings and new hope. Learn more at mystuffbags.org. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. and is available on Apple Podcasts and YouTube or wherever you listen and watch. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. It really helps spread the word. You can find all our social media links, archives, and other info on our website at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Special thanks to the John R. Wooden Course and Wooden's Wisdom. Original music for Sports Stories is courtesy of Lennon Music Productions. Original images by Sienna Lennon Photography. Sports Stories is produced by Christine Jimbo and Marley Rice. Sports Stories is edited by Bob McCall. Additional staff include Ray Castro, Teresa Dolan, Jake Downey, Carlos Haro, and Buck Magic Lennon. Lonely days are gone, I'm coming home. Sports Stories is on at five. Well, I don't care how much money I gotta spend. Got to watch Sports Stories again. Lonely days are gone, I'm coming home. Sports Stories is live at five on YouTube. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Catch it at 5 on YouTube. Check it out, book! <laughs>